0: Hello, and welcome to ECNM On Air, a podcast series from ECNM Magazine that shares industry intelligence, insights, and opinions on all topics electrical. I'm your host, Ellen Parson, Editor-in-Chief of ECNM, and I'm here today with Greg Schottman, a partner with FMI, to talk about his firm's latest talent study, uh, specifically how these results relate to construction and engineering firms. So I'm going to let Greg introduce himself. Uh, Could you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, your background, and your role at FMI, and then we'll jump right into the discussion.
1: Absolutely. Um, I've been with FMI for going on 19 years. Uh, I come from the industry. So uh, prior to FMI, I worked uh, as a senior manager within the construction industry, excuse me. And um, I I specialize within the realm of operations. Um, So doing everything from helping clients implement operational best practices to doing exactly what we're talking about here, which is uh, developing top talent um, both in the field and within the ranks of uh, the project management arena. So uh, this is uh, a very uh, very important subject that's near and dear to my heart.
0: Okay, perfect. Um, So FMI recently released this new study, it's called the 2023 FMI Talent Study. Um, And so I saw that and I thought it was very uh, obviously relevant to our audience. Um, Obviously, the skilled labor shortage in the construction and engineering market is nothing new. Um, Everyone knows that Um, electrical contractors and engineering firms continue to compete for the same pool of limited applicants. Um, We've been experiencing it for years, but it seems to be getting even more challenging the last few years. as you know, in your survey results. So I wanted to go over some of those highlights. Um, We also do some research on our own at ECNM. We do a top 50 electrical contractors survey and a top 40 electrical design firms survey every year. And we continue to see this in those surveys as well. Difficulty finding and retaining quality workers Um, it it typically is always ranked at the top um, as the top growth impediment by respondents. So that's far outpacing the other factors that we list every single time. Um, Just one specific, 94% of our top 40 respondents, which we just surveyed a few months ago, indicated they were currently experiencing labor shortages. And that's up from 70% uh, the previous year and 92% the year before that. So we've seen similar results to what you have found in your survey. So I was really interested in seeing how we could compare some of that and get some insight uh, for our listeners here. So let's start with a breakdown um, on on the report, the 2023 talent survey, Um, like when was it conducted? What were the demographics of the respondents? Maybe a little bit about that. And is is this the first survey of this kind that you've done, or are you comparing this to previous uh, historical data?
1: Perfect. Well, as far as, uh, I'll start with some of your first questions. We had uh, more than 400 people uh, that were part of this survey, which is a pretty pretty good survey. uh, Yeah, that's that's a lot. That we had. Uh, A hundred of those are what we would consider field leaders and over 300 executives. Um, And these, put this in context, these responses were collected during the summer of 2022. We also did interviews throughout the fall of 2022 and then we started doing that kind of analysis in the latter part of the year and then uh you know, once again the actual talent study was released. Um, and to, to put it in context, we did a very similar study in 2017. so, Kind of an interesting series of bookends to we'll call it pre and post pandemic uh, to, mm-hmm. to provide some different sets of color. So,
0: awesome. Well, it looks like it's very comprehensive. The actual physical report is about 23 pages. So, um, I wanted to see if you could point out um, since it's so comprehensive uh, for our podcast this discussion, um, could you outline maybe some of the key highlights that came out of the survey, and then maybe um, did anything surprise you with the results?
1: It's interesting, and I wouldn't say um, necessarily surprising, especially when you, you work in the industry with a lot of the the, the firms that, that I do and my peers within FMI do and colleagues do. However, two things kind of jumped off the page for us, and, and this was staggering. The construction industry is going to need to attract an estimated 546,000 additional workers on top of the normal pace of hiring in 2023 to meet the demand for labor. So Uh if you think about uh, all of what we hear within the business, uh, we can't find good people, which if I had a dollar for every time I heard that, I would have Uh a lot of dollars. But I think when you think about these, are you know, the once again, the people that are putting the work in place, and that's just keeping up with normal demand, right. it, it almost acts as a, as a governor switch to some extent. Because I, I think if, if so many of my, my clients had more capacity, you know, one, uh, you know, could they do more volume potentially? Mm-hmm. But then mm-hmm. the question is, are they trained and talented? So that that's just something to kind of noodle on and you know that that number that's of right. you know, over half a million people yeah. just keep up that's with the that's a staggering number.
0: Exactly. Yeah, that's that's kind of hard to to grasp there. So um, even makes it even a you know bigger problem, it seems like. So any other highlights um, from the report? I wanted to go over that sure. one of the the ones that jumped out were that ninety-three percent of the respondents reported difficulty hiring qualified talent, which is like you said, right. no surprise. Um, but what are, did you get into what the factors are behind that statistic of what's, you know, really causing that? So to kind of summarize that for our readers and listeners. Well,
1: well there's a couple things, and, and it was another surprise, I would say. When I say surprise, I, I mean, once again, I think these are things that you know, but when you see it in black and white, it becomes very real. But the idea, right. of field leaders that get the proper training are more about 20% more likely to succeed when those compared without training. And we say be successful. I mean, putting a finer point on that is that be successful in their career, be successful on the job. And the answer is, well, yes, it's all of those things. But you once again, if you think of any career or job or position uh you know do we just you know let people you know kind of you know go about doing things in their own accord or do we train them appropriately so that's an important thing um but i think when we we look at the 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 93% of the respondents find Uh, the difficulty in hiring this qualified talent, as you mentioned, you know, many workers are looking into other industries that offer benefits, you know, and I think that's probably one of the challenges. So to to put it in context, you know, workers are going other places that are willing to train and develop them. And if our industry, the construction industry is not willing to do that, that's a a big factor. And unfortunately, you know, we have to do better. Mm -hmm. There are other things like benefits and flexible hours and remote opportunities and right. you know to, to be very candid uh, we can't necessarily do that uh, so the idea of you know dealing with that is, is just something that is out there now once again as uh if uh and when there is a potential recession does that change potentially um, but the idea of, we'll call it remote opportunities, flexibility in workspace is just, it's something we've always struggled with. And I don't think right. that will necessarily change.
0: The you know, construction is obviously, you're not able to do that with construction, but engineering, it's probably a little bit more um, possible.
1: It, it is. And and I do think, you know, engineering and and even to some extent, some office capabilities. Now, I would say, the, the thing that we are seeing in uh, with a lot of our clients is this I would say it's a it's a challenge right now and'm I'm, I'm using air quotes if you could see my fingers but um, <laughs> you know the getting back to an office engagement because it speaks to another item that's incredibly important, which is you know, why people are struggling to get this qualified talent, and more mm-hmm. importantly, where are these people migrating to? It's companies okay. that have a culture. Well, when you talk about working remotely, you know, working from your living room, and I, I'm not, you know, uh, you know, casting aspersions on that. I'm just saying it is very challenging to develop talent, to create culture in that setting. And clients are, are of mine are saying, look. We, we want to maintain a flexible work environment. And if people have other obligations and you know, we want to maintain that flexibility for, we'll, we'll say the office staff, but we still uh-huh. have to get things done for the field because that's the most important aspect of our job. But going back to the piece of this is, you know, how do you develop culture and train people and develop people when we're not even able to see one another? And, and I understand, you know, heck, we're doing this thing right now remotely. Mm-hmm. You, you can do things remotely, but does it miss something when you're not doing it as deliberately? And I think one of the other pieces is, you know, younger folks, you know, just folks in general are wanting companies that have a culture that have a level of diversity, you know, and it's not so much, uh, you know, of, you know, specifically DEI initiatives, albeit that is an element, but just, I think, diversity and mm-hmm. thought, you know, it's, you know, that we all, you know, challenge our thinking. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, candidates want to work for farms that have a purpose. They they have plans to carry it through and they're not just getting lip service. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that that, is very important to that young group of people that are coming up and what right. are we doing as an industry to support that?
0: Right. It makes it even more challenging for sure. Exactly. So it looks like um, one of the other things that jumped out at me, um, more than half of the respondents reported that talent shortages were having a high to severe impact on their companies, but it, but also only 19% of them said they had succession plans for key strategic roles. So what do you make of that, and how can it be remedied uh, going forward, as far as the succession planning aspect goes?
1: Yeah, that, that, that's a great question, and I think you know it's something I deal with routinely when I do strategic planning with clients. Is dealing with succession, not necessarily at the ownership level all the time, but do you have a chief estimator, uh, you know, a, a chief a head of engineering? you know, it's a delicate subject, no question, but it has to be confronted. And more importantly, what are we doing to be very deliberate? And I think people punt on it way too often. So as far as, you know, remedying it, I think it has to be part of every company's strategy to have an element that focuses on Succession. Um, and it doesn't necessarily have to be, hey, we're trying to get you out of this role or we're we're, you know, trying to make sure you retire quickly. But how do we grow the next generation? I think is maybe the better way of approaching it. Um, and it okay. may be rather than succession, it should be a growth planning phase. But I think part of what we also need to make sure of is the people that are going to that next role uh you know we'll call them the older folks or more seasoned veterans that uh-huh. they have a place uh-huh. to go and matriculate to so you know i think it just has to be very deliberate and too often companies are saying hey we're too focused on the here and now uh we have two or f- two to five years before that even becomes an issue no you don't right no you don't
0: right <laughs> uh-huh. and then it's there yeah
1: exactly
0: well we have um on our survey the top 41 at least um, like you mentioned before, it, it's probably also kind of tied to the position. So um, the number one most difficult position uh, that we were told that they're having trouble filling is project engineer, followed closely by supervising engineer. So it probably just depends, like you said, on the firm, on the con- the, the applications they're working in, on the size, the geographic area, like which positions are they having the most trouble to fill.
1: Exactly. And and, it, and I think it's, it also comes down to, you know, we, we talk about it in terms of, you know, what is your message to that, that young group of people? And I go back to the things mm-hmm. I've already mentioned, so I don't want to be redundant, but the yeah. idea of, you know, what is your brand in the marketplace? Too often we talk about brand in terms of, marketing but you know if you go to the local college tech school you know what are those young kids and you know you're getting old when you use that phrase what do the kids think know, about the business? you know mm-hmm. and if they only see you once every five years at the local tech or engineering school you're not relevant you need to be there uh-huh. every single semester including summers doing outreach hiring interns and if you say oh well, we're not big enough well it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be, you don't need to be hiring 30 or 40 people, but just do right. a, a lunch and learn and teach these younger folks and, and share, do that outreach as much as possible. Right.
0: And a lot of it I've heard before, you know, the, the younger people and the parents maybe are not even aware of all the opportunities that exist in the skilled trades because they exactly. you know have never really thought about it or, you know, all these different reasons. So obviously the outreach is really, really important. And like you mentioned, I know. You know, I, I would call people the younger people, too. I'm of that age. So when we um, got out of college, it was like you get a job and you work and it doesn't matter. You make money and that's what's important. And your parents said, you know, well, you got to get a job if you don't like it. That's too bad. It's really I can see it not even with my children who are, you know, 21 and 25. It's just not like that anymore, which is probably which is a good thing, I think. But it's definitely not the same mindset of, you know, going to work right out of college. Exactly. So the next thing the survey suggested was there's shortages, um, that these shortages obviously are going to intensify probably in the next five years, specifically as the last of the baby boomers hit retirement age. Um, you, in the report, you note that one in five construction workers are older than 55, with 22% turnover expected for executives and 30% turnover for field managers. So that's, those are some big numbers. We can't solve this today, obviously, but do you have any thoughts on how uh, we as an industry could, you know, lessen this blow? You all, you started to mention the job fairs and getting to the people younger and, you know, making sure that your brand is out there, but any other thoughts on that as far as the next five years?
1: I, absolutely. I mean, and there, there's, I think the thought of there being the silver bullet um, that there isn't uh-huh. one, but it is exactly what, what you just kind of reiterated, which is. You know, you've got to be out there. And if we're recruiting for the people that we need right now and we go, well, we don't need to go, we, we only have, you know, a backlog of, you know, $20 million, or I'm just making up a mm-hmm. number of course. And we, we think about the project engineers and PMs and we go, we are really not need any people. But if you go back to the statistic I shared about the 500,000, excuse me, mm-hmm. you know, you're, 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 once again, we're running a deficit. And realizing that people are going to retire, people are going to matriculate out, and some of these people that you've hired are not going to, you know, make it, you know, uh, there's going to be attrition. So you need to have a constant and thorough pipeline. So one of the things I would say above and beyond all of the things we've mentioned, are you necessarily doing, thinking like talent development as simply just the old-fashioned human resources role, or are you thinking more like a talent director, which is, I, I know you could say I'm I'm spinning it, you know, two different ways, um, or, uh-huh. you know, just repolishing it, I might say. But the idea of this is such an important strategic initiative, it has to be a full-time job, it has uh-huh. to be full-time training, it has to be full-time everything. And if we're approaching it with a, a strategy from, you know, the the 1980s or the 1990s, which is that old-fashioned human resources, then Mm -hmm. then you're going to fail. So my thought is lessening the blow is more about proactive, keeping the pipeline full, just like you would with business development or operations. This has to Mm -hmm. be a very deliberate strategic thing, but once again, people tend to only think about, well, we don't need to hire right now. So, or training we'll do when we're not busy and we don't have time for that stuff. And it's like, well, that's look, are you going to run a car until you, the wheels fall off? Or are you going to go in and change the oil every now and again? And, and maybe that's not the best analogy, but you got to do maintenance. Mm-hmm. You got to put a coat of wax on it every now and again and, and make sure you got the best running vehicles. So anyway. Right.
0: Yeah, and and I like, I liked what you said about, you know, making it as important as, you know, securing the jobs. Like if you don't have the workers, like that HR has not been that kind of a focus before traditionally um over the years. So now maybe, you know, that is needs to be obviously as important as, as some of these other divisions, which has not been the case. Exactly. So you call it uh, the great resignation in the report referring to defects of the pandemic and competition from other industries that they've had such a big impact on the construction industry, specifically, um, and we talked about this a little bit earlier um, by nature, you know you, you said that you we can't really offer those flexible hours the remote and hybrid locations all of those things. Um, like some of the other industries are do you have a sense of maybe some of the other industries that the people are going to in order to get those types of things. And if so, like, what else can construction firms do to counteract that? I mean, there's, like you said, there's really only so much you can do to a point. Then you have to, and you have to attract them with other things because you can't offer them exactly those same, um, you know, arrangements.
1: Exactly, and I think one of the big things that you know we we forget to, um, you know, construction as a whole. While, while I think this is an amazing industry, as do you. It, it has never often been high in the uh ranks of you know top choices for young folks entering mm-hmm. you know the workforce and that's just the way it's been all that being said um I will say that you know you know that's we'll call it one of the headwinds that we've probably had uh with this great resignation and the the challenge you know so it was people say, wow you know people, just haven't come back after the pandemic. I mean, the question was, were they ever really coming? <laughs> uh, so I, I <laughs> right. do think we we can offer, you know, things like, once again, I go back to that, the right culture. Um, and uh-huh. that culture is, you know, it's it's an amorphous thing that is hard to describe. And you kind of know it when you got it. And you certainly know it when you don't have it. But, you uh-huh. know, it's, it's things like camaraderie. It's you know having a, a, a very dedicated culture to training, development, where you feel like people are being recruited to stay part of an organization. You know, I think so much time we spend recruiting people we don't have, but we forget the fact that recruit the ones that you got. Uh-huh. Keep the ones that uh-huh. you got. Are we keeping those people satisfied and uh-huh. safe as, as part of this? Right. But if we're not training and developing, um, and that's one of the big things that. Once again, I go back to the survey. People are saying they're, you know, they're very clear. They're more productive. They're better when they're being trained and developed. They're also happier. Mm-hmm. And and I think you know it's the companies investing in them. But I think often we hear it's well, what happens if they leave? They're going to go just make our competition better. I go well. What right. happens if they stay and they're not trained? <laughs> Um, yeah. <laughs> so I, I think those are some of the things that, you know, there's no easy silver bullet, but do some of those things and you'll be able to at least counteract you know, the, 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 the industries that have hybrid work environments and remote working. And once again, just keep pressing forward. Uh, there'll be the right talent out there. But I also think some of the technology that's coming into our industry will help as well, because you see things like remote vehicles or autonomous vehicles and the new technologies that will make it very interesting, I think, for young folks right. that say mm-hmm. this isn't the typical construction, uh, and this is probably not the appropriate choice of words, but the ditch digging enterprise of old construction. Mm-hmm. This is cool mm-hmm. construction.
0: Right, right. And like like you said, EVs are going to be huge. That's going to be a big, all, exactly. you know, establishing that charging infrastructure across you know, the whole country and, you know, being part of that, all the energy upgrades and things that are happening with the grid, those kinds of things. So it is, you know, some of those things might be more appealing. But I mean, the bottom line for everyone is how can we as an industry recruit and retain these people um, going forward to help bridge this hiring gap? Um, It's going to be an ongoing problem. Your report is great. I'm going to put a link in the bottom of, of this podcast because people really need to read this whole thing. We can't, go over all these, you know, we're just hitting the highlights here, but understanding the whole depth of the problem and some of the things that can be done about it. You have, you know, so many charts and graphs in here. It's really, really worth a read. So I'm gonna put that um, in the, the comment section of, for the podcast when we publish this. Well, it looks like we're about out of time. Thank you so much to Greg for sharing his insight, industry knowledge, and experiences with us today on the skilled labor shortage and FMI's latest research. I'd also like to thank senior associate editor Ellie Coggins and associate editor Michael Morris for editing and putting these podcasts together, making this valuable information available to all of our readers and listeners. For more information, visit our website at ecmweb.com. This podcast was produced by ECNM Magazine, part of the portfolio of Endeavor Business Media publications. Well, I think that's it for now. I'm Ellen Parsons signing off of ECNM On Air. Please let me know if you have any podcast topics you'd like to listen to in the future,